0: So this Paul and I'm going to make this little recording because we have one of our coaches um, or one of the people in our coaches course um, ask how a client comes out of performance focused fat loss and so I thought well we're in a quick start meeting and eventually all the people in this meeting are going to want to know how to do this and the basics of it is fairly simple. Um, when you are working with the client and you you know early on, you know what we try to do is establish a baseline. And once we have that baseline in place, then obviously we can play with it from a work capacity standpoint, right? So if somebody's at 1900 calories and they want to get better at exercise, we can add 300 calories. and in theory that 300 calories allow them to get better at exercise, build more lean tissue. You blah, blah 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 right that's that's fairly standard and somewhat obvious if you're relatively new it might not be obvious um but that's part of what we're trying to do here right is you know kind of not viewing exercise as just this way to earn calories and then you know you eat and then the calories get used up it's actually a way that you can address fat loss by becoming Uh, more metabolically capable right because your metabolism is directly tied to um, the amount of muscle that you have on your frame whenever you know like uh, Cody was just talking about um, you know doing a DEXA scan and when you get something like a DEXA scan or or whatever what they do is they try to um, well they calculate your RMR based on Um, equations that are the same equations that we use for the form calculator and that we use um, to coach you guys and those are estimates and basically they take your activity multiplier and then you say well I work out three days a week and then you know we apply that to whatever that is on the scale and then we give you what your body would like to have for um, calories right so once we have established a good solid baseline for people, it allows them to be able to um, see a deficit over time, but it's a more clear deficit. Now, could is there other ways to do it? Absolutely, there are ways to do it, but I can't think of a way better than knowing you know the exact number that your body is at over a consistent period of time. Like Cody was talking about, you know, how he's his calories are, they're roughly the same, he's progressing with exercise, his work capacity is going up, all those, those things are positive. I think what happens for a lot of people is they put the cart before the horse, and, you know, it's outside of the scope of what we're gonna be talking about right now, but what they do is they put the car before the horse, and they always set, land at roughly the same spot where they're not getting vastly better at exercise. They lose a little weight. Ultimately, they add back in the foods that, you know, they would just like to eat as a normal person. And, you know, it, it just becomes like this, this endless cycle. So what we're trying to coach people on is the fact that it doesn't have to be the cycle that when you um, add more muscle, there's a more... There's more of a metabolic demand. Your body requires more food to maintain that muscle, and so that ends up being a positive. You can um, obviously, you know, when you go into a lab and they measure your athleticism through VO2max as an example, the better athletes are more efficient as it relates to Um, to using stored body fat as fuel. What that should say to all of you is, is that your goal is to become a better athlete so your body can use more fuel, um, more stored fuel as energy. And so in that process, you will create more lean tissue, you'll be releasing stored body fat, and of course um, having a better aesthetic in the process. So we have a baseline. We have short periods of deficit eating. And uh, just to give you an example, you know, we'll say, you know, I'll use the same number Cody just gave me, 2,900. We have um, the wave numbers, which basically you know, for somebody like Cody, who has established a baseline at 2,900, we're probably gonna set him up at something like 2,300, 2,100, and then 1,900, okay? Now, even those numbers are really just guides, and in that number, we also have um, a day within that eight to 10-week period where the client upregulates. So they're not just going down, down, down all the time, because in every scenario in the the case of the example that I'm giving, the client is in a deficit. We don't want them to be in a deficit for basically two or three months straight. We want to have periodic peaks up. And you you guys might be thinking of it and go, wow, that sounds like a cheat day. Well, a cheat day has actually a scientific purpose. Um, I don't personally like the term cheat day because I think it sets up a negative relationship with food. What, what, what a cheat day is implying is that you're cheating on your diet. And what I'm suggesting to you guys is that, you know, dieting should be the last thing from your mind the majority of the time that the majority of the time you're going to be wanting to become a better athlete because athletes use fat better than non-athletes. And then you go, well, I'm not that great of an athlete nor am I, right? You're just trying to become the best version of your athletic self. And so certainly there's people that power lift more than me. There's people that CrossFit better than me. I'm not really concerned with comparing myself to others. I'm really concerned with what my goals are as a human being and just thriving as a human being going forward. So now Cody's been in this deficit eight to 10 weeks. He's lost 8 to 10 pounds. He's, you know, hitting his his goals. Um, we talked a little bit about his situation. For Cody, um, just so you know, when we do get to that point, um, we're probably looking at about 10 to 12 pounds for you. Now, if you were, let's say, 119-pound female, you know, and, um, you know, we decided at, at some point that they're, it might make some sense to uh, address fat loss uh, with a performance focused fat loss period. Clearly we would not be wanting that athlete to lose 10 to 12 pounds. And oftentimes when you have an athlete that size, um, basically what you're going to be doing is setting up kind of a almost rinse and repeat where the athlete's probably gonna end up at 120 every single time but the deficit allows their bodies to be more nutrient efficient and, you know, like I said, allows that athletic process to be a little bit better and they get leaner as a result. Um, one thing that's important in this discussion, and I think very important as it relates to any discussion related to performance focused fat loss, is that when people eat at a deficit, They'll often have a goal, you know, so once again, Cody, I hate to keep using you as an example, but, uh, you know, Cody mentioned um, the weight, you know, we won't get into the specifics of the weight that he mentioned, but what we would probably do as an example, um, let's say that we had an athlete and then we were going to have that athlete lose anywhere from 10 to 15 pounds. What you have to do is you have to allow for some level of bounce back, right? And this is the mistake that I think everybody makes. And, and, and we talk a lot about the rigid way of thinking and why you have to get away from the rigid way of thinking. And and this is a great example of what we're talking about. What happens for a lot of people is if they lose 10 to 15 pounds, they want to keep that 10 to 15 pounds off. What I'm saying is, is if you lose 15 pounds, you wanna allow for anywhere from three to five pounds of bounce back, right? And you want to have kind of these cycles that are shorter. I mean, sure, the temptation is to lose a lot of weight all at once and then be done with the pain, you know, be done with whatever it is that um, you see that has been, you know, causing you some, some type of struggle. The problem with that is you get a level of muscle muscle atrophy the more extreme you get. But more important than all that is the fact that, you know, when you when I gave Corey his three numbers, what I factored in was his body down-regulating to a certain extent. Okay, now if we can get an athlete, you know, like Cody had actually mentioned that he liked eating, um, roughly the same amount of calories on workout days as he does on rest days, because that just makes him feel comfortable. If we can get him seeing a specific result at, say, 2,300 calories, then we're not gonna play with that at all. Always, we're going to try and get the most result with the least amount of interference, right? And so, An interference in this instance is just going to be the inconvenience of being in a deficit. Or you could view it as the inconvenience of adding, you know, a 500-calorie walk throughout the day. There's a lot of ways that you can sort of tackle this. What I liked about what Cody said earlier was that when you are... um, viewing a deficit or viewing a, a way to to, to to change your eating habits I tend to default to two things I, t- I tend to default to more activity um, especially during a period of normalization and then I tend to default to food so if I'm not feeling good I eat food <laughs> um, if uh, you know obviously sleep is a component with some of these things but usually if I'm struggling with anything or feeling a little stressed or whatever, food's a component. Okay, so now we've gotten the athlete 10 to 15 down. We are allowing for some level of coming up. One of the biggest mistakes that athletes make in this instance is they view it the way that they view their previous dieting habits, and I believe that that's where people's downfalls start to happen so what do we know right we've all done 30-day challenges and two-month challenges and things like this and then there's that 31st day you know celebration you know sort of known as cheesecake day or beer day depending on what it is you like and so um what we're saying is is that you know you should be able to fit in calories as you need it. Now, I'm going to give a couple examples of how a person's going to reverse. Now, now that I'm saying this, I do believe that we actually did give a number of examples in a number of cases. Um, I'm going to give two examples, um, maybe even close to three. So Cody is at um, 2300 as his top number, 1900 as his bottom number. For him to lose 15 pounds, um, he had to have some rest days at 1900, and his normal calories are 2900. At that point, we're going to want to have the athlete uh, monitoring their weight. Here's the problem with not monitoring your weight because a lot of people are coming from a background of the scale is the enemy and things of this nature. I have a complicated relationship with the scale too. But when I'm making changes to my routine, knowing data is important. For female, you know, water retention, the way that you guys, you know, work is a little bit different. So some people like to go to like a weekly review, which I'm totally fine with. If Cody can stay close to the 2,300, I'm going to use 100 calories as an example, but it really sort of depends on who you are as an athlete. You might be able to do, you might have to do 50 calorie um, added a week, and then you know kind of take things a little bit slower. Otherwise, you'll see you know um, too aggressive of weight loss what i would say as a caveat is the more you can do and the more athleticism can be part of that process the shorter this time period can be right so you know i can actually go from 2300 to 2900 within probably a week to two weeks you know just because of the way that i can introduce my athleticism and I know the, the the buttons to push. And that's that's part of the process that you guys will be learning. And that will allow you to go, okay, finally, this all clicked. Ever since I was 12 years old and been dieting, you know, and now I understand how deficit cycles need to work and how the good majority of the time I need to not be dieting. Um, the more Corey has to go to 1900, the, more, the, the longer it's going to take for him to get back to normal. And what I mean by that is, is that if you had to go to 1900 to get the result, basically all you did was sort of adjust as your body was down-regulating. And ultimately all you're doing in that scenario is compromising your later recovery. And obviously if an athlete was able to see 10 to 15 pounds worth of loss um, at 2300, the, uh, the same athlete would not necessarily struggle near as much as they would if they had to go to 1900. In the case of 100 calories, it's gonna take four more weeks, right? So in the case of 2300 going back to 2900, we're looking at six weeks. Is that a definite, is that a you know linear type thing? it's not a linear type things, you could get sick, you could, you know, um, bump your toe on the ground, you know, there's all these different types of things that sort of happen and so when we say to you guys that failure needs to be part of your process, that's why we're saying that, because too often people will take, you know, kind of a rigid way of thinking and then once they are outside of those rails, the rails come off. What we're saying is there are no rails. You really just want to be sort of aiming in one direction. And, um, you know, the the more disciplined you can be, the better off you'll ultimately, the, the, the more consistent your results will be. But at the same time, you know, life happens and, you know, this is not something that you know needs to be finished tomorrow. Could I make the case for Corey going 50 calories? So let me give you an example. Let's say that Corey um, was on vacation, right, and uh, you know didn't want athleticism to be a real big part. You know he's had a tough year. You know stock market, whatever he does. You know uh, it's been kind of a tough thing and so he wants to sort of take it easy well in that instance we probably want to take him up 50 calories at a time gradually introducing food more food back into the equation until athleticism can become a a part of the mix the three scenarios that that was the first scenario um where you how we would view 50 calories as opposed to 100 calories, and then how we're going to keep an eye on a scale through the, the process. I think whenever we're having a discussion of this, we always want to talk about some level of carb cycling. I think one of the things that happens with new people in general is they start hearing about these carbs and they work out you know six to you know six to ten times a week, and all of a sudden, they're just eating carbs all the time. And even in that scenario, you would really want to talk with an need to Perform coach and find moments where you can, you can kind of allow your body to process you know, carbohydrates. Um, and not really the carbohydrates, but more the inflammation that is a natural part of having carbohydrates in your diet. One of the things about having carbohydrates in your diet is that they require some level of water to process. Well, that water is what rehydrates your muscles through glycogen replenishment and and things of that nature. So, you know, when you look at having a more efficient and active muscle, what we're really talking about is having a hydrated muscle. So when you look at supplements like creatine, things of that nature, all of these things bring more water into the cell and make that more useful. And then when, of course, you have starches um, to refill your, your glycogen stores, that you know, takes that muscle to kind of the next level. Um, and, and I'm breaking that down in, in like the most simplistic way possible, but I think ultimately people get the point. And if you don't get the point, if you're in the coach's course, you can ask a question there. If you're in the um, Quick Start forums, you can ask a question there. Okay, so here's my two scenarios. I'm going to start with the scenario of someone that loses ten to fifteen pounds, and they're sort of where they want to be, right? They they um, they're they're going to stay there for a while. And they're not necessarily looking to increase their work capacity to account for additional calories. They're not necessarily looking to add more lean tissue. They're not necessarily, you know, it's really more, okay, I'm happy where I'm at. I'm going to gradually sort of move things forward. But right now, you know, uh, for that person, they might actually want to stop at, something like 2,700. So whether you're using the 50 or whether you're using the 100, it's not a crime to be eating 2,900 calories. Bring down your level of intensity as it relates to your workouts, whatever you do. I'll give you an example. If you were a runner and your calories were 2,900, right, and then you decide that you're going to pursue a little bit more powerlifting type of activity, well, you know, keeping your calories high in that instance isn't necessarily going to help with your um, your work capacity, and will potentially um, add more. Uh, you know, kind of, kind of, be a negative from an aesthetic standpoint. You definitely want to be listening to, you know, your central nervous system. Certainly weightlifting provides different kind of stressors. You're going to want to have times where you're going to be eating a little bit um, to kind of deal with that stress. You you want to be on the lookout for sleep, things of that nature. But but my point to this whole diatribe is that just because you came into a performance-focused fat loss at 2900 does not mean that your goal is 2900. In the instance I just described, you might want to be going back up to about 2,700, depending on how you're changing your level of activity and what you've decided to do. I can say personally, this is sort of what I did. Um, What happened for me was, um, when I went through performance-focused fat loss, I was working out five days a week, and um, when I went to performance-focused fat loss, I went down to four days a week as a way of getting in more volume on those four days and be more recovered so I could keep my lean mass throughout the pro- throughout the process. Whenever you're going through a performance-focused fat loss, you want to make sure that the volume, and specifically hypertrophy volume, where you're doing um, high rep sets to failure, fatigue for lower body, that kind of stuff where you're feeling like a muscle pump, that is muscle sparing. And so um, that's something to think about when you're um, in kind of a cutting cycle. Um, But what happened to me was going into performance-focused fat loss, I was working out five days a week and uh, moved down to four days a week. And so therefore my calories moved down. So there was no need for me to go all the way back up. Like in this instance, you know, we we're using 2,900 as an example, I would have gone to 2,700 to account for the difference. The other example is the opposite, right? Uh, the other example would be where a client uh, you know, wants to expand their work capacity, they wanna add more food into the equation. I think one, of the, a couple of the, the things that I, I want to kind of put out there Is that I think the tendency is to go carbs, 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 you know, and you can get to a point where you need so many carbohydrates that, you know, it doesn't end up being a whole lot of food. I mean, certainly, you know, when you're eating an adequate amount for what you do, that allows for some level of, you know, deviation from what looks like whole foods, which is fine, okay? But at the end of the day, don't just look at carbs as the only option because I think that some people respond a little bit better testing fats as well. I think the problem that you run into, whether we're talking about carbohydrate consumption, whether we're talking about fat consumption, is that there's way too much confusion out there. And at the end of the day, if we looked at it and we went, okay, if I could be my own experiment, you know, be my own science lab, what would I try? What would make me feel better? You know, what's my level of activity? What 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 am I doing? Do I really need that many carbs? Do I really need, you know, that many fats? We talked to a lot of athletes, you know, their fats, you know, I mean they'll come in and their fats are at like two hundred grams. Like almost no one you know would need in unless you're like an nfl lineman you know where that would be necessary anyone you know it's, it's sort of interesting we were having discussion about um ketogenic dieting and and instances where that would apply to um someone with health concerns that's really something that is a a dietitian's type work you know what i mean so I think it's sort of interesting that people self-prescribe a lot of this type of stuff that, frankly, you would almost need a prescribed diet to be, you know, to play with those ideas. And I think, you know, if you're not under, you know, the the medical care of a RD or something like that, you know, playing with these extreme versions of dieting, I think, doesn't make a lot of sense. From the standpoint of each Perform, what we're looking at is sort of like this moderate, where you're sort of in in um, where, where really you're not dieting almost all of the time, and in that process you're you're sort of gaining lean tissue, you're you know increasing work capacity in that process, and uh, obviously food, you know, adding food, there's probably in terms of adding protein, I wouldn't say that there's always a benefit. To it, there would be an example though, where I think it might make some sense, and that's when you're you're cutting. Um, if you can, you know, and, and I'm not talking about like extreme amounts of protein, like hundred grams or something like that. But if you want to start off as your kind of performance focused, performance focused fat lossing, and you want to start upping um, something in the beginning, protein is probably a good place to start. And so, um, as you're sort of adding these calories that we're talking about, you know, I would say protein's a good place to start. Some level of carbohydrates, especially for the people that are doing highly glycolytic type work, where you know it's CrossFit, whether it's it's running, something in that nature. Um, a lot of people will say, well, you know, running's not highly glycolytic. I would argue that it is from the standpoint of volume, right? and so even though it might not it might only represent 15 percent you know from a a glycolysis type you know activity when you add it up over the course of the three or four hours that you're doing it, it it becomes substantial and so you're going to want to sort of replace that so you can work out better times after that um so basically in this scenario just to review i gave you the example where you would um, reduce volume, uh, reduce calories coming out of a performance-focused fat loss and not renew to normal. The, the initial one that I did showed you how to renew to normal, basically taking um, 50 to 100 calories, always using a little bit of a bounce back. I think what happens with a lot of athletes is, if they're being honest with you, is they, they come out of these cycles and they just start adding in more energy dense foods quicker than their body's going to be able to respond to them and you really want to make sure that people are not doing that because it's it's sort of self-defeating you've worked your butt off for eight to ten weeks and you know doing the work for another four to six weeks to make sure you come out of that that deficit cycle um, is mentally you know, more rewarding. You feel like you've done something. What's also interesting about that is that the, the little bump that you'll get um, in terms of weight gain, oftentimes your work capacity can offset that bump relatively quickly. I'd say week to two weeks. Cody actually just sort of mentioned that, you know, where, you know, his weight went up a little bit right off the bat, um, sort of stabilized, and now is on the way down. I would argue that the reason why that is the case is because he's able to do more work, his body's using nutrients more efficiently, and so there you go, that's the answer to that. And then lastly, of course, we went over the scenario where the athlete would continue working on being a better athlete. The end game obviously there is similar to what I was saying earlier with VO2 max work where, you know, better you are as an athlete, the more efficiently your body uses um, fat as a fuel. And so when you look at, and I'm not basing that off of like opinion, that's that's how they measure, um, you know, athletic progress in the lab. So I hope that helps everyone. And um, I do have some questions that were asked, so I'm just going to shut this recording down as it relates to how to come out of a performance-focused fat loss cycle, and then hopefully that has brought up some questions in the next nine minutes. We can cover those questions, so I appreciate everybody listening, and I'll talk to you later.